Welcome to Sustainable Startups, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. In this episode, we're going to talk about uh, what the role of a CEO should be at a small business or a startup. Um, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. And I'm Rick. I'm the founder of Leg Up Ventures, which owns and operates software companies that empower underdogs. Cool. So what's up this week, Rick? I'm doing a ton of customer development with nonprofit consultants, which is really, ra- which is really random. And that is uh, that has been my focus all week. So customer development, meaning you think your eventual customer is a nonprofit consultant? I should say that customer, what I mean by customer development is I'm basically doing market research around how to leverage nonprofit consultants to distribute products to nonprofits. Okay. So the, the nonprofit is the customer you want and you're trying to figure out, you, you guys already have relationships with nonprofits. What do I... Like what? What do I do to get you to partner with me? Basically, exactly, and it's um, it's it's actually pretty hard because apparently everyone and their mom wants to sell and distribute their product through a nonprofit consultant. So, so these are these guys are like the uh, CPAs or the uh-huh. account the accountants of the nonprofit world that uh, that everyone wants to have you know you know have their arrow in their quiver. And the yeah. nonprofit consultants quiver to 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 sell to clients. Have you uh, had any like breakthroughs or anything to to try and solve that, or does it still just seem like almost insurmountable? I would say that it's going to my my, my immediate takeaway is is that it takes a, a it's going to takes a really compelling product offering uh, to catch the attention of the nonprofit consultant, and then mm-hmm. uh, there has to be a pretty solid motivation for them to introduce it to their client. And so I think CRMs, for example, uh, like, like your company who have, who have targeted nonprofit consultants, in the nonprofit space, they have a great value proposition. Typically they're, um, you know, they have a huge aid to the nonprofit consultant in terms of adding value, mm-hmm. and helping the client, but they also have large annual contract values that can incentivize, uh, these, these, uh, you know, referrals. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Like, because we have an affiliate program with Less Annoying CRM where, you know, different deals to different people, but normally we pay 10%. And because we charge our customers so little, everyone's like, I don't care about 10% of nothing. And so no one's really motivated to work with our affiliate program because it's so cheap to begin with. So, and that's typical of most companies. So I would say that, you know, how the question becomes, how do you, how do you make it worth the effort and time for a nonprofit consultant uh, to one, want to get educated on your product enough to under like be able to decide whether to recommend it. Mm-hmm. And then number two, keep it top of mind so that when they actually meet a customer that could benefit from it, it's super easy for them to, uh, to, to, to pass over. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our litmus test for this has always been if, the if money is the primary reason they would recommend us, they're not a good fit. They're not gonna. Um, it needs to be someone who, like, basically they would refer us because it provides extra value on top of what they're offering. Otherwise, it's a non-starter. Do you think you might end up kind of in that same space? Yeah, if if someone's doing it for the money, they're not going to make a whole lot of money um, for the product you know, product that I'm looking to distribute. It's a it's a it's a very simple product. Um, mm-hmm. and very, it's about a $2,000, $3,000 ACV, uh, 
product. So yeah, that's still it, 10 times what I got, but yeah. Yeah. But even <laughs> then it's just, it's not enough, right. And uh-huh. To make a, you know, build, build a business around it. Uh, so, so yeah, trying to figure out what, what specific motivations that are non-monetary that would cause a non-private consultant to be an advocate and, and be willing to take the brain power and time to, you know, know enough about to endorse the product, which if you're in the recommendation business and the advice business, you can't just say, Oh, that's a cool idea. I'm going to, let me send some people over to you. Mm -hmm. You actually have to dig in, do some diligence, get educated on the product enough to be able to trust the vendor because your reputation is everything. Yeah. It's probably a chicken or the egg thing where the the more customers you get, the easier it is to convince the the consultants that you are trustworthy, but you want the consultants to get those customers in the first place. Exactly. And so I think um, what I'm, what I'm starting to realize is that this is probably not a, uh, for the most part, it's probably not a, 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 a blocking and tackling grow your business this way as a primary channel mm-hmm. uh, opportunity, uh, nonprofit consultants, I mean, but it, but it definitely is a, an opportunity to grow and, but it, it, it probably will happen most successfully and most efficiently organically as a result of other efforts in the nonprofit yeah. space. Yeah. So, you know, cool. it's kind of like catching, you know, we, it's, it's catching them and make, and, and being top of mind at the right times. It's not a, probably a full flood, you know, fledged reach out. But what, what I really wanted to talk to you about was customer development is like, when I say customer development, I mean, basically reaching out to people and not trying to sell them something, but actually understand how your idea fits, ask questions to determine if your idea is actually a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I, which means not talking about the idea, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, I just, I haven't done this in a while and I forgot how hard it is to do these calls the right way. Um, and it's very, it takes a lot of brain power. It takes a lot of discipline uh, and uh, it takes a lot of wrap up time after the call to organize Mm-hmm. Your, your learnings. And so uh, my goal to, this week was to have 25 of these conversations. <laughs> uh, I'm at 15. Yeah. And that I need sounds 10 more. exhausting. Yeah. Yikes. Well, you know, good luck with all of that. Ho- hopefully one week of that is enough. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I, that's what I'm realizing is I'm actually pre I've already dis- like confirmed a lot of my hypotheses, mm-hmm. destroyed one that was actually a really oh, big surprise, good. which is good. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see what happens the rest of the week. Yeah. So what you're talking about kind of is we, we talked uh, uh, maybe a month ago about the book, The Mom Test, um, which kind of goes into how to do all this. But one of the things they say in The Mom Test, well, when do you stop interviewing people? And they say when you stop learning things. So I'm not there it yet. sounds like you're not there yet, but maybe you'll be there hopefully not too far from now. I'm, I'm getting to the point where it's where some most things aren't new. They're just reassur- reassuring things. But mm-hmm. I, I, there's still a gym every time I talk to someone. So yeah, we'll see. I'm hoping that twice, if I can double the, co- the conversations by the end of the week, we'll be good. Cool. Um, the other thing is I accidentally, this is kind of a funny thing. I was, uh, Sable bought a car this week. <laughs> Sable's my wife. And uh, she, it took like six months for her to buy a car. It's the first time she's bought a car. She drove her uh, high school car all the way until now. <laughs> So I've, I've never bought a car. Well, <laughs> anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a car? No. Well, you had <laughs> so, a car. Yeah. So who, did that car, was that car a high school it car? It was uh, my brother's car from college that got handed down to me. Cool. I saw how you treated that car. 
just imagine, I just have memories of 12 feet of snow in Park City, Utah, yeah. covering it with that, just knowing that there was a car in there probably, but <laughs> you know, not knowing If someone had sure. stolen it and it was just gone the next, like after the winter ended, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, so anyway, um, she bought a car and I was, I was, we were picking it up and I was, it's, she's all excited about it. And I'm, and I'm more worried about conversations with nonprofit consultants. So I'm, you know, responding to people on LinkedIn and I realized that I haven't updated my LinkedIn profile in nine months. So I <laughs> quickly update that because I figured it might help with, with response rates and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then of course, LinkedIn blasts that out to everyone. So f- 30 minutes later I have, and I really appreciate all the, you know, all the people reaching out and saying mm-hmm. congrats, but I was not prepared for my LinkedIn <laughs> to blow up yeah. and, uh, and, you know, you feel obligated to respond to people um, and, and I'm actually want to, but it could not have happened at a worse time. So I'm right. I, I, you know, I created a, uh, massive inbound that I'm, uh, that I'm, yeah, it's the good and bad of LinkedIn, I guess. Yeah. How many people are we talking about? Like a hundred, a thousand? I've probably gotten hundreds of LinkedIn messages, private LinkedIn messages. Yeah. And uh, maybe close to 500. Wow. Yeah. Are they, cause I, I used to, I probably still do get all these. I just started ignoring LinkedIn because I couldn't handle all of that. Um, but every year I would get these like congrats on the whatever year anniversary. Uh, are these all like the boilerplate LinkedIn? You know, they, they kind of suggest a message versus people typing out a manual thing. 50% are those and 50% are an ask of some kind. Gotcha. And I think you can pretty safely ignore the boilerplate ones. Right? Oh, they are, didn't. Yeah, you just okay. archive those. But yeah. uh, um, and, and the worst part is, I updated lots of things. So it, it, it actually up sent, LinkedIn multiply sent up multiple messages, announcements. <laughs> and so the same people are actually sending me congrats three times on boilerplate. Those are the really easy people to like ignore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but it's also like, there's people out there who are, who are like, Oh, you didn't respond to my last pitch. You know, right. you know, my last three cold pitches selling my stuff. So they take, they've taken the opportunity to, to re pitch me. Yeah. Well, you can and, ignore pitches too, right? Like how yeah, many of these are legitimate human to human interactions? Those are the ones that are probably the most time consuming because I actually want to respond. Those mm-hmm. are, that's are probably in the fifties. Okay. And that's uh, a lot, but that's, that's manageable. All, but, but, but I, you know, saying, Oh, thank you so much for reaching out. Um, I really appreciate it. I can't talk to you right now. Doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. Doesn't feel good. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? What, what do you got going on? Um, yeah, not a whole lot. It's actually been, I mean, busy, busy week in terms of just stuff to work on, but not, no major updates really. Uh, this morning I had, I told you a while back, I joined a mastermind group for the first time. So we had our second meeting this morning. Um, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a business person doing business things. <laughs> so uh, tell me how that's going. Yeah. I mean, good, I guess the, the other people in the group are venture backed, very high growth startups, but they're all, or most of them anyway, are smaller than less annoying serum is right now in terms of revenue anyway. So it's an interesting dynamic where I kind of seem like the grandfather in the room in the sense that I've got 10 years of history where their companies are all two or three years old and I've got more revenue, but they're all dealing with these scaling problems that, you know, I have nothing to contribute. I mean, they're just like, I have to hire, you know, 20 sales reps in the next three weeks. What do I do? Like that's more people than I've ever hired in my whole career. So <laughs> I, I don't know. And they have less, that, that company has less revenue than you? Yeah, but they've raised money. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into specifics, obviously yeah. for confidentiality and stuff, but like these are companies that are really crushing it. They're doing great. But and they have less revenue than you. 
they they will have more revenue soon. You believe that? I I do. I mean, you know, maybe not all of them because most startups fail, but like they're all on a trajectory to have more revenue very very soon. Interesting. So venture capital. That's so. Would you tell them you should slow down, or do you say I have no idea? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean. When they have thought through their goals and they really want to make the sacrifices you have to make to grow that fast, I'm totally in support of that. But I do try to, I'm taking your advice. You gave me the advice. The best mastermind groups are when people ask a question or have a problem and you point out, no, that's not your problem. You should be asking this other question instead. So I'm trying to do that. How did that how's that gone? Good, I think. I, I don't think everyone's necessarily fully embraced it, but when it happens, and they did it to me too, I brought it, I came up, everyone brought a problem in and the one I brought in we only had 12 minutes per person to talk about the problem, but I walked away from it saying, I have no answers, but I, I realized it's a different problem than what I thought. Do you, so, can you go into that right now? Yeah, I can talk about my own for sure. I Basically, I went in saying, okay, I've got like a product decision to make. Do we launch new product lines or improve our current product line? One gets more revenue per user. The other one gets more users, hopefully. Um, and what it ended up, the, the discussion ended up being is, one of them used this terminology, which saying it about myself sounds pretentious, but I didn't say it, so it's okay. Uh, he basically said, if you're an artist, make art. Like if, if, if you have a product vision and you want to do that and you don't care about maximizing profit, just go go make your art. But you have to be at a point where you're financially happy. Like You're not giving anything up to do that. And what I realized is I am, I'm not at that point. I'm a lot closer than I have been in the past. But the real question is what needs to happen to be financially at a place as a company that I can say I don't I don't care about making more money at all anymore, or or that you can experiment freely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where there's like no I don't care about the opportunity cost because we're already good enough. Um, so that how far I need away? To, are, I want to know how far away you think you are from that. Yeah, I haven't really processed like I haven't thought about that yet. But yeah. now I'm asking that question. I, I don't. I I bet we're a couple of years away. Would be my guess. Which in startup world sounds like a long time, but I've been doing it for ten years, so that sounds like right around the corner to me. <laughs> Sorry. I love it. That's cool. <laughs> it helpful. Did, um, did you, do you feel like you, uh, sounds like you got a lot of value out of that mastermind. Do you mm-hmm. think that uh, everyone else left with something similar to you? I hope so. Um, I, I, it's definitely, you know, it's a one hour thing. I think there's, uh, to me, it's pretty clear everyone's happy. Like it's worth the one hour investment. I think they're all dealing with much more tactical things than I am because they they have like hair on fire problems like any high growth company does. Whereas I'm kind of like, eh, I'm just noodling about what I'm going to do three months from now with the product. Um, so I think it's probably better for me because of that. But I think everyone's getting value out of it. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of my big update for today. Um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about the kind of the deep dive topic for today. So this is something kind of uh, maybe a little bit related to the, the artist comment earlier that's been on my mind is I always hesitate to call myself a CEO, depending on who I'm talking to, because it seems a little like pretentious. Um, it's a seven, you know, I run a 17 person company and some days I don't do any CEO stuff. I just like write code or design something. And some days I'm in meetings and brainstorming long-term product vision and I feel more like a CEO. So I'm a little unclear on like when when's the right time for uh, a founder, especially a bootstrapped founder where you know you're not representing shareholders or anything like that. When's the right time for them to let go of the individual contributor role and just really embrace, you know, my role is to be 
the boss of the company and every all the actual work that gets done is getting done by other people. Hmm. I I don't know exactly where to start with this. I'm I'm very interested in the subject too. My immediate reaction is I don't think that this is a, I don't think that this is written in stone. Mm-hmm. It seems very circumstantial and honestly uh, subject to what the the person in the that is deciding what their role is going to be is how they're going to play the CEO role is going to do with their time how they're going to spend their time um, so well, I guess w- you keep saying CEO role what 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 maybe we can start with what is the what is the role of the C what is the what what is uniquely the CEO role at all stages of companies yeah. And you probably know this better than me because I think you've experienced more different stages. But what what I have seen myself is there's there's individual contributor work. What if you come from sales, go do sales. If you're a marketer, do marketing. There's like management, which I feel like I've stepped into. We're big enough at this point where it's okay. There's a programmer who needs a manager. We don't have a manager for that person, so I'm their manager. Um, there's a manager of managers where you know. That I've got someone who manages the customer service team, but someone needs to talk to him. And then I guess there's other stuff, right? So do you agree with those three categories, at least those kind of evolutionary steps as a business grows? I would say that that's the different types of management, but not necessarily, um, you know, I wouldn't say that that's, you could have, you know, one, I know CEOs who have one report. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I kind of think of all three of those as not fully CEO work, but I'm not sure what, like there's some fourth category, which is CEO work. What do you think that is? Um, so I guess I wouldn't, I would look at it a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't look at it as primarily, a, I wouldn't look at it from a people management standpoint. I would say there are three, the way I, I'm going to butcher this, but someone told me this once and and I'll try to remember it as best I can. The role of the CEO is three or four things. The first is making sure that there's enough money in the bank. Mm -hmm. The second is making sure everyone is aligned on what the priorities are for the company. Mm -hmm. The third is uh, building a cohesive team to, uh, and and what that means, retaining, training, training, Mm-hmm. managing, re- recruiting. Just making uh, sure it happens. Making sure that te- we have the right people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I can't remember the fourth, but those are the three that- Yeah. That- and I, I actually think I coincidentally saw this, someone retweet this today. And I think those three were, maybe there is a fourth someone has said, but those were the three that I saw today. Yes. And and so, you know, how you might, you know, if, if you aren't, so, so I kind of look at a CEO's role as, you know, either those three things are happening or they're not. And if they're happening, the CEO is doing a good job, <laughs> right? Like you've got mm-hmm. enough money in the bank. Everyone's clear on what the priorities are. Uh, you know, the, the team is cohesive and you've got a solid pipeline of, of, you know, of, of, of talent to fill future needs. Then, you know, the CEO is probably doing a pretty darn good job. How mm-hmm. much time is it taking them to do that? Right, maybe none. Maybe depending none. on the company. Uh, and if there's free time, maybe there's some opportunities to dabble as an individual contributor. Yeah. If it's taking all of your time to do those three things, maybe some of those things you're doing as an individual contributor. 
Yeah, so I, I can relate to so the second one, the having a vision or whatever. LS knowing CRM, we don't have a strategy aside from the product. It's like mm-hmm. ev- the whole company is about execution, and then the the strategy is wh- where's the product going, and that's my individual contributor work is product design. So I think that's an example of what you're saying. Yep, yep. And uh, so so it sounds like you have a lot of you do a lot of individual contribution on 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 setting what are the priorities for the mm-hmm. company, mm-hmm. and that's great. Do you do? And a, I do love you also, that stuff. Do you do a? Um, and I guess stepping back, when you say individual, co- I'm interested in why you brought this up. Number one, mm-hmm. uh, is this something that's bothering you? And two, what what is what do you mean by individual contribution? I understand now what you mean by CEO role. But yeah, I always think of an individual contributor role, doing individual contributor work as something that. Uh, I just hit my mic. You saw that, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that was a. I got, got a little, little flamboyant with my <laughs> with my hands. Yeah, spicy. Um, so. Uh, I, I guess what is what what crosses into individual contributor work versus mm-hmm. non-individual contributor work? Yeah, so I wouldn't say this is something I'm I'm worried about or that I have a problem or anything. But w- what I notice in myself is, f- from time to time, I enjoy having periods where I'm like meeting with a lot of people and having high level brainstorming and stuff like that. But I really, really love it when I have a day or I never have a full week, but a good chunk of a week where I'm just not talking to anybody on my computer, either designing or programming. So when I say individual contributor work, I guess what I mean is I'm not managing or like leveraging other people's work, but instead I'm saying the work I'm doing is directly moving the company where it's going rather than setting a vision that other people are going to follow. Would you consider that setting the vision individual contributor work? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's on the the border. It's it's half half and half. But so for me, I'm I'm doing the design because I I think it's cool. Like, oh, I really want to design this. Versus, I can't wait for the rest of the team to follow this grand vision. You know. So it sounds like if we agree that the role of the the CEO is to do those three things: mm-hmm. uh, make sure there's enough money in the bank, set the vision, set make sure the the priorities are clear, create clarity, mm-hmm. and then you know build the team, then. You know, out, anything outside of that that is that is done as an individual contributor on your own would be yeah. what you're talking about, right? So writing code is definitely individual yeah, contributor. Okay, work. design is if it's like we need this feature and I'm designing it. That's IC work. If it's what I see? what is the individual contributor? Is this the new lingo? Is this, a, is I this don't an know. acronym? That's, that's how they write it on the twitters. The twitters, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But if I'm if I'm designing some future project that maybe we will or won't do, but it's a strategic thing, then then that's probably CEO work. Okay, I, I buy okay. that distinction. Okay. So what what types of individual contributor work do you see CEOs getting involved with? You say coding, uh, writing is one. Like yeah. I I, I yeah, remember writing a blog post or something. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. another one. Uh, selling, uh, closing yes. a deal, which is in a sense a subset of the like having enough money in the bank. Yeah. Uh, but it's being the individual contributor rather than helping someone else do it. Mm-hmm. And that's the part I hate. Like if I'm ranking it, two's my favorite, three's my le- my second favorite, and one's my least favorite. But yeah. 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 <laughs> You're probably different from that. Uh, well, maybe yeah. not. I, li- well, I like the product the best. So okay. um, I'm definitely more of a product person, but I would say less on the, let's call it the design, more of the, uh, I like, you know, how, how do we, I really enjoy the, how do, how do we get people to get it? Yeah. And so it's kind of a, it's a merge between sales, marketing and product. It's, I don't know exactly what to call it, but it's, 
you know, talking to customers, talking to potential customers, talking to people who have no idea what mm-hmm. the company is doing and trying to turn that into words, as few words as possible to tell someone else, you know, to make them go that that's a re- that makes total sense. And that can be applied pre-product, but it also can be applied multiple times as you use the product. Yeah. This is a little bit of a tangent, but have you read Product Led Growth, the book? No, but I love the concept of product-led growth. Because so it sounds book? like uh, I'm in the middle of it, but I don't have it on me. I forget. It's it's yellow. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't think, I didn't think you read. Um, I thought you were, po- I I thought you were a podcast do. guy. I get most of my stuff from podcasts and blogs, but you know, I'm trying to follow your, your lead a little bit here. <laughs> um, but I recommend it because what you're describing sounds to me like product-led growth a little bit, which is it's about growing the company and getting customers, but by doing it by like making a product that kind of has those natural dynamics versus just cold calling people or something like that. Totally. I, I, I love, I don't have a problem with cold calling people. That's what I'm doing this week actually yeah. with customer <laughs> development. Although I'm trying to have leverage people I know to introduce me to people that mm-hmm. they know, which is much successful for everyone, more successful for everyone. But the goal of those calls is not to create a scalable cold call process. It's to, it's to gather the information necessary to design an experience for the nonprofit consultant so that they can just be themselves and interact with the product and the company and everyone wins. Yeah. I love those. I love those puzzles. Absolutely. Well, you should, I know you read like a million books. You should check this one out. Product led uh, growth. It's product creative, led growth. It's a very creative name. <laughs> it says what it is. Um, anyway, so we were talking about, okay, the, the roles of, of the CEO and stuff like that. So I have like, one question we kind of talked about, but I want to dive a little more in is management is an executive at a company like should they be a manager or is the idea that they're just kind of coming up with a vision or whatever and someone else like management's a whole different thing oh well, what do you mean by management what do you mean like by executive? people people manager um, okay. so like imagine a hundred person company that has you know, still probably the lowest level person has met the CEO before, but there's like a VP of something or that type of role, a C something officer. Uh, is that person, the chief technology officer or whatever, a manager, a people manager? Is is the CEO a people manager? Yeah. I mean, they have to be, right? They, I don't know what you mean. Like someone's got well, to, they're at the top of the org. Is management... Yeah, I, I guess this isn't a fully formed question here, but like I, I go back and forth between do I think of management as the high level lofty CEO work or is that like me being an individual contributor and the goal is to eventually like, you know, have someone else take over at least maybe then I'm that person's manager. But like I, I sit in a lot of meetings with programmers helping them like get their programming done, you know, that type of management. Okay. And so do you differentiate between leadership and management? Uh, I, I could make up an answer to that, but I don't have one fully formed. What do you think well, about that? Uh, here's an example. Um, I over the years at PeopleKeep and Zane Benefits, I I hired a lot of people. Some people also a lot of people didn't work out as I was learning how to do that. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, made a lot of mistakes, but one of the learnings. But one of the really positive experiences I had is when I hired someone who it was like the first person that I could give a really big outcome to mm-hmm. and managed and, and managed the outcome, managed to the outcome versus managing the how to get to the outcome. And that is a very different experience than 
what I would call people management. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's more, Hey, you're, yeah, you report to me. I'm going to do the one-on-ones with you. I'm going to maintain the relationship. I'm going to make sure you're aligned. Um, and there's a bigger team here that we're managing to, but I'm not focused on the, how you go get this done. That's up mm-hmm. to you a lot, you know, with buy-in from the rest of the team, we're, we're I'm going to hold you accountable to the outcome that we've set. That's very different to me than people management, uh, yeah. as you're describing it, which is more of a coaching, like helping someone get the job done role. Yeah, that's interesting. So um, th- this is almost like a KPI type of thing, right? It's saying, Here, here's the goals I've set for you. You do whatever you need to do to make those goals happen. And then it comes back up the chain. Subject to the clarity that I have provided to the company and job number yeah. two, right. you know, it needs to be aligned to that. And if you, you know, if, if the outcome you've set aligns to our company goals, you know, this is why OKRs are so popular, right? It's, yeah. it's outcome-based management versus priority-based management Okay, yeah, versus this is task, really interesting. task-based management. So if I can relate this to my experiences, so I am kind of like, I am the direct manager of a handful of people. And then one person, I guess I directly manage is the direct manager of a handful of other people. So I think that guy, Michael, he's the head of customer service. I think he's what you're talking about as I forget the terminology you said, but the, not the people manager, um, outcome manager. You, you manage him on an outcome basis? More. I mean, I've never thought about it in these terms, but I meet with him and say, okay, the, the goal is for customer service to be better. Tell me how it's getting better. Um, whereas I, I'm still more of a day-to-day manager of the the product team, like the programmers and, and designers and people like that, where I'll, I'll sit in there and be like, what are you working on right now? Let's like, what, what are your next two weeks going to be? Before you go into what you do on the product side, mm-hmm. um, w- w- when you go back to what Michael's doing, is he, mm-hmm. is he doing people management in your mind with his yeah. reports? Yeah. Got it. And so he's, he's, he's very focused on how things are getting, how that goal is getting accomplished. Yes. Got it. So that's, I mean, that's, if you're at a five person company and everyone reports to you, you probably have to do that unless you've, unless you've (laughs) hired some really amazing people, which you probably shouldn't have because you probably couldn't afford them. But this is also (laughs) the benefit of co-founding co-founders early on and, Mm -hmm. and hiring you know, having some people early on that you can delegate to. Yeah. Although th- this was a bit of a mistake I made early on as I, I hired very talented people and thought that meant they didn't need to be managed. And I, I was completely wrong about that, that even if they can go do their individual contributor work very effectively, they at least need the outcome management, which I don't think I was providing them. Yeah. They, they probably didn't see. So I, I would argue that like take Michael as an example, you're, you're probably managing him on outcome basis right now mm-hmm. w- unintentionally because mm-hmm. he's stepped into that role and, and probably asked for that mm-hmm. uh, without asking for it. Just sort of, he's, he's naturally just moved in that t- position. But I would, I would argue that Michael's not the CEO, but he is a leader of people. And if he could transition to where his people are outcome based more so than, you know, than, than, you know, task-based, he should be able to get a lot more done, get a lot more out of those people. And then he should even have more time for doing things that he's excited about doing on energy contributor role. Yeah, I hear you. And I, I hear exactly what you're saying. I think that 
probably doesn't apply quite as well to his team because customer service is a fairly repetitive thing. So everyone on the team, including him, is mostly answering emails and talking on the phone to customers. But I hear what you're saying. Um, okay. So so I would challenge that and say you can build capacity. I know you're you're like one of the – I took this from you, man. Like <laughs> You were the guy who told me I, I, I want everyone to have a, a project mm-hmm. you know, that they can work on that has nothing to do with their core job. Absolutely. He doesn't manage those projects. I do. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> so when a new hire starts uh, who's on his team, we say four days a week you're doing customer service. He's your manager for that. One day a week you're doing whatever your 20% project is. I'm your manager for that. So one thing that's interesting. Um, what if you just gave that 20, what if you just budgeted that 20% time into, I don't know if we're getting into something you don't want to talk about right now, but like, what if you, what if you said, Michael, you take over this 20% time and you manage, like you manage all of this and get everyone focused on outcomes and, I bet I bet I'd be interested in in more on like wh- how how that would play out based on how they could make themselves more efficient. And mm-hmm. let me take a step back. What I'm tra- what I'm advocating for is giving people time in a transactional role, which is like customer service, a frontline mm-hmm. transactional role, building in capacity to expectations to their role to allow them to think about how to do those things better on an outcome basis. Yeah. Okay. So I think, I mean, that's what Michael's 20% project is. So I think that part of it's already happening. I don't, uh, some CRM coaches have kind of decided on their own, I'm going to try to improve the customer service experience as their flex time type of thing. Some of them say, I'm going to, I'm going to follow the game plan and go work on, you know, marketing or whatever. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. That'd be nice if everyone had enough time to do self-improvement on that. Yeah. And, okay. uh, and, and freedom to try things and fail fast, le- less, less bureaucracy, yeah. less, less being managed, more uh, freedom to explore. So that all makes sense to me. But the, the big takeaway for me here is that I, I kind of knew there was this distinction in my head already. Cause like I have this relationship with Michael and then I have the relationship with all the people on the dev team and the, 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 the or the product team. One of the people on the product team is sort of easing towards a Michael type of role but it doesn't feel the same um, yet. And what I realize is it's because I'm, he's maybe a, a people manager in a sense, but I'm still managing people instead of managing outcomes on the product team. It's not going through him exactly. So anyway, having that term people versus outcomes is going to help me here. Yeah. I'm interested. Like, is there, is there maybe, maybe you just can't do that with an engineering team. Maybe it's all pretty, uh, task base, but do you do you see how that would work if you switched out yeah. to management? Part of it is you said that this happened with Michael, where he just kind of eased into it. Um, part of it is that's happening; it's just not finished yet. Um, yeah. So this other guy is easing into it. The other side, though, is product is not one thing to me; it's two. It's like the design slash strategy, and then it's the technical implementation. So he's taking over the technical side, and so I don't do code reviews anymore. I don't deploy the code. A lot of that stuff's been taken off my plate. So there's, um, I, I look at there's three roles in in product mm-hmm. development as 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 I summarize it. Uh, one is engineering. The second is user experience design, mm-hmm. or I just call it I call it user experience, but it's basically design. Yeah. Um, and then the third is product management. Okay. Do you see those? Do you kind of see those things? Yeah. I mean, I would argue that. A, an inge- you could have a separate product manager from an engine, a technical leader, but I don't think you necessarily need to. 
like product management, I guess, or project management rather, seems almost like a dotted line to both of them rather than a third core competency. Yeah, I always look at it as kind of a, a, a three-way a three way Venn diagram. I don't know if it's called a Venn diagram or not, but three overlapping circles mm-hmm. where they're all touching each other. UX is really important for product. Product is really important for UX. And they're both really important for engineering to work together as a team. Yeah, but sorry. So one is project management though, right? Product. Product. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. It's so, like, it's like, what is the customer, you know, what is, what is actually being built from a business, from a, okay. from a customer point of view, engineering is what, how technically can we implement this and scale it and user experiences? How can we make this function from a usability standpoint and a aesthetic standpoint uh, and, and, and just deliver on whatever the brand uh, standard is? Okay. Sorry. My previous comment was project management, not product management. I, I hear what you're saying, although to me, like, I don't know that you can separate UI design from product management. Like, I just view product management as like leveling up at UI design. If you're really good at it, you're you're managing the product. Um, maybe I, I most of the product people I've worked with have you know the ability to that are really good on the on the customer side, mm-hmm. which is I think is the real value is t- being able to take customer what customers are saying and turn it into a solution without actually listening to what they're asking for mm-hmm. that customer development stuff that I'm doing this week. Yeah. And, I'd uh, love for a designer to do that though. Yeah, I don't think totally. that but, a separate but, person needs to, but typically the designer isn't good at that. And the pro- the person who's good at that isn't good at design. That's how it has been my experience. Mm-hmm. We're getting out of off subject here, but yeah. that's a, th- I would love to go through, that would be a great deep dive topic one day is to go through how to like the roles of a product team yeah. And how to successfully uh, scale, you know, start with that and then scale. Yeah, I like that. In terms of the, like, what is the role of a CEO thing, though? I mean, so what I'm hearing, eventually, probably a CEO may still be an individual contributor, although it's it's mostly to satisfy their own desire to do that stuff. But there's the three things you named. There's making sure there's enough money in the bank. There's uh, setting the vision and communicating it to people. And then there's recruiting basically and retention and all that, but that almost orthogonal to all that, or, or kind of as another layer, there's always going to be managing for outcomes. Oh yeah. Um, I think that's number two, but there doesn't need to be, well, number two is setting the outcomes you want, which is different from Sorry, managing. Number, for yeah. Team number three is all about cohesive team is, and number, I would say yes. The answer is yes to your comment. Okay. Um, but that the other kind of management, the not talking about the what, but the how is not necessarily inherently a CEO's role. So if I'm spending time doing that, that's not necessarily a mistake, but it's not, uh, it's not what like a person in my role at a much larger company should probably spend their time doing. Is that fair to say? I mean, I, I don't agree. I think if you're, if you're, I, I know I, if you want to. I, I I don't know I forget the guy's name but the CTO of HubSpot mm-hmm. what's his do you know do you know what I'm talking about uh, There's Darmesh and Brian something. Yeah that guy Darmesh he's a CTO he's not the CEO but he is a founder and a significant leader at the company He still I my understanding is he still dabbles in individual contribution and he set up his team to do so No sorry that's not what I I wasn't saying you shouldn't individually contribute I was saying you should separate out people management from outcome management and that the type of management that a CEO has to do is outcome management Yes, I think that that's true at a larger company, yeah. um, unless they have someone that they've hired on their team to specifically do that. And that's a lot of the, 
I, you know, that's a lot of where a COO, a good C, like you hear these COOs or presidents come in. They're the ones that they've delegated that to. Yeah. So they're, I mean, I would argue then, then they're the CEO. They just, you haven't changed the name. The, the founder <laughs> sure. wanted to keep it, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, uh, you know, I can think of one example. Uh, one of my favorite CEOs uh, it locally is a guy named Carl Sun. You know him from Lucid. Mm-hmm. He is a master recruiter and he focuses really on number three and he delegates a lot of, I, for, I, my, I don't really know actually, but I assume he delegates a lot of number two to um, Dave Groh, who is a C, his, his longtime CEO, COO. Mm-hmm. And he, I, I believe he does a ton of individual contributor work around recruiting and relationship development and, you know, not leveraging recruiters, not mm-hmm. leveraging, uh, you know, t- a team, although he has those in place, but I think he goes an extra mile to, to, to do that. Cause people are really important to him. And That's he's, a, he's a later stage. I mean, he's, he is, uh, you know, they're a big company relative to what we're talking about here. Yeah. There are hundreds of employees, Five, maybe 500 plus employees, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, I really like hearing that because my, my approach has been, uh, when I am feeling productive on a certain thing, I don't want it, I, whether it's CEO work or individual contributor work or whatever, I, I don't, I don't want to distract from that. But, uh, recruiting is the one thing I've always said, if something comes up, if, if a candidate would benefit from talking to me, or I can go present at a student group to help get some applicants or whatever, that's the one thing I've always said, like, I'll interrupt whatever I'm doing to do that. It's good. And I don't want that to stop. I don't want to like, oh, we're so big. I'm not doing that anymore. So I'm glad to hear that even at a company that size, that still works. Absolutely. I don't, I mean, that's, that's a, that's my opinion at least. And then, but I think there's probably some other people who, um, who might be more passionate about, about, uh, you know, focusing on the people management, right. And saying, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I actually get more out of people management. These are CEOs. I get more out of people management than I do uh, any individual contributor work I would do. So maybe that's where they're getting their their juice. But I can't imagine for me personally, based on my personality type, I can't imagine for you based on you, we have to have those puzzles that we can play with and try to solve individually because it, it really hits that creative component. And, uh, yeah. and if, if I took, if I had never, if I didn't have that in my life, I would be, a, I think a, I wouldn't be a, a good leader because it would, I'd be unhappy. Yeah. Now I wonder at, at a sufficiently large company, maybe solving whatever vision problems there are for the company is kind of individual contributor work, but like you don't actually do anything. You just say some words and then everyone else takes those and (laughs) goes and does it. Well, I think uh, I, I, maybe, maybe it gets more complicated when, um, the, the messaging is more complicated. So I could see where, let's say I walked into a company uh, that was, you know, a lar- later stage company that was a turnaround situation and I was the CEO, you know, that, that would be, there'd be some pretty interesting individual contributor work in terms of talking to employees, to applying a lot of this customer development stuff to the market, mm-hmm. um, to come up with a new vision. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of interesting. Sure. You can employ people on that, but that is a very much a somewhat, you know, the person making is the CEO in that situation is going to make uh, set the direction. And there's a lot of decisions that need to be made, uh, by that person in mm-hmm. a very short amount of time. And so that I could see that being a situation in which I would be pretty happy because lots of puzzles, lots of thinking in my head, um, 
and yeah, it might leverage it definitely going to leverage people to, to influence that, but ultimately it's not going to be a decision. Those situations are not, uh, you know, decisions by committee, they're decisions typically, um, you know, by, by, uh, you know, dictate, dic- dic- you know, dictation. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Um, any, any closing thoughts before we wrap this up here? No, I, my, my takeaway is just remind, reminding myself that, you know, a, you know, it's, it's different, you know, different stages of companies need different things. Um, I, uh, right now in my early stage of some of these companies I'm working with, I'm probably leaning too hard on outcome-based management, um, because I yeah. want the, yeah. I, I actually kind of wanted to, I, I should, I meant, I thought of this earlier in this conversation and forgot to bring it up that, um, it does seem like you're to some extent still in the mode of the CEO of a 40 person company, mm-hmm. which, you know, obviously serves you very, very well when you are the CEO of a 40 person company. But I wonder what that transition's like. Um, I think it's, I, I actually, so I'm, I'm not sure yet. I, I actually think it's good to think about outcomes if you would, but, but not going past what you know to be like. So for example, uh, at group current, David and I, we started it in in June. Um, we've already got we've reached uh, over twenty thousand dollars in revenue um, in two months. Congrats! Uh, <laughs> recur- recurring, um, and it's you know we we are I, I am he's get, he gets frustrated with me, David. I, like transparently, he gets frustrated because like it's time to go do 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 stuff, and I'm the guy going, well, let's what are we trying to go do, and how are we going to know if it's successful? And there's definitely a uh, kind of a grind there against styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way we've compromised is, and, and I think this is the right thing to do is short goals. You know, instead of trying to set an annual goal right now, we have a vision of what we want to be in a year, but we, it's very soft and it is not measurable. Um, it's very like high level. Mm-hmm. And then we focus like one month goals. Like what's our goal this month? And we focus on it and, and we're not afraid to change the goal based on what we're doing. But, it, but what's important about, I think, having outcomes is it it creates focus and it says it drives a clear, it, it draws a line when we, when, especially early on, when you have all these different things coming at you, mm-hmm. right? It's, it, it's easy to get distracted with like 50 different things early on because you're not, you are nothing. You are just some, some you, you are everything right? <laughs> oftentimes. And, and so I think outcomes early on when not overdone can create some blinders that are healthy. Okay. That's fair. I think I'm probably more on the other side than you are, but like you said, there's probably like uh, kind of a healthy balance between the two. Okay. Sorry. I was, I was, I interrupted your, your takeaways though. Yeah. Takeaways. I, you know, that was it. It's, it's a, I need to be, I think sometimes just getting it done, getting Mm. the job done is more important than um, defining how to measure the job and making sure you're not doing too much of just getting it done without thinking about, Hey, like, what am I trying to accomplish is a bad thing. Uh, but early on when there's no people around, it's easy to do that. I think the hardest thing to do, and I'm, I'm thinking about a few people right now that I'm talking to friends that are CEOs that are early stage is you, you do that. And you oftentimes it's unsustainable. You're working mm-hmm. hundreds out hundred hours a, a week. All you are doing are sleep, eat, sleeping and breathing. And then when you transition to people who aren't you don't have the knowledge and context you do don't have the return on learnings from our hundred hour weeks for a year. You, you expect them to go as fast as you. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to transition getting stuff done at that rate to additional people. And because it takes time, you're already, you're already at a hundred hours a week. 
And it takes time to get people to a place where they can take five of those hours, you know? And, right. and so I think that's the hard, that's the really hard part is transitioning from, uh, you know, getting everything done as an individual contributor to getting people, uh, the information they need to take stuff off your plate. And I'm definitely having gone through that leaning more towards let's, let's not, let, I'm not going to do anything unsustainable because I know that that, that is going to lead to me not being able to scale this. And so I actually, I might, I, I actually limit opportunity for myself in the, in the early on stage, uh, for that reason. All right. I'm not sure I agree with that, but yeah. Curious to see how it goes. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's an experiment. Maybe all my <laughs> ventures will fail. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So I think my my takeaway is probably similar to yours, but like I'm, I'm specifically thinking, how do I apply this to like, what should I be doing? And one, I think I'm walking away from this conversation feeling permission to do the IC work and not feel guilty about it. Two, knowing that outcome management is should be now and will always be a part of my job and that I shouldn't like think that's something to delegate, but that people management could be a part of my job, but it could be delegated um, if the company grows to the point where that makes sense. So I think that gives me a lot of clarity around that. Yeah, totally. I totally agree that if, if the outcomes are clear, you need a lot less. If, if the outcomes are clear and you have people who are capable of delivering on those outcomes without help, mm-hmm. then people management is a lot easier. Yeah. It's, it becomes okay. more about team management and team dynamics. Yeah. Cool. Definitely. Good luck with that. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, well, I think that wraps it up for today. So um, we still are working on a website to say what the domain name is, but whatever. No one's listening anyway. Okay. Thanks <laughs> for not listening. Bye. <laughs>